welcome to the Tone That Made Us podcast. I'm James, my co-host, Dan Cav. You know, we do this podcast because we love tone. We love everything behind the sound, the sonic makeup of, of what we do and how we record. Um, and we want to get into the nuts and bolts of how some of our favorite people on earth have created that perfect sound for themselves. Uh, by the way, it also relieves our wives from having to listen to our bullshit every time we get together and all we talk about is guitars. And, uh, you know, they, uh, they really love that. So um, I wanted to welcome our guest today. Um, he's held down guitar duties for Biohazard, Blood for Blood, Power Flow, most recently an amazing lineup of his solo band, Billy Bio. Uh, the tone that makes us welcomes my old South Brooklyn buddy, Billy Grazia Day. <laughs> What's up, guys? How you doing? Thanks for having me. How you doing, brother? Thanks for joining doing us. Awesome. Good to be so, here. So, Billy, these all start off the same way. And, and, you know, we all heard that story of first time I saw Kiss on Tom Snyder, first time I saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan, you know, that that's like what gets people to want to be a musician. But for us, it's about what what's the first time you saw an instrument, a guitar or whatever that made you go, I have to play that, right? If that changed your life. So, um yeah, we all got those great fucking moments. And it's funny you mentioned Kiss on, on Schneider. Um, I saw that. I didn't see it. I was too young at the time. But Kiss was the fucking quintessential band that, that made me go, holy fuck, this is amazing. Um, my father had, uh, you know, Led Zeppelin in his, his collection, the Beatles, the Stones, Elvis, and like something, yes. Mm-hmm. bought uh yes and someone else emerson lake and palmer those so those records were like the first things that turned me on were, i'm really passionate about music but as an instrument piano was the first instrument i was just telling my, my buddy aaron about piano so as a six-year-old kid i used to get beat in the fucking hand with um <laughs> with a ruler because i didn't practice and then when when i got to a certain level she moved me up to her husband and that dude fucking would duck you in the back of the head when you didn't practice. And he used to say, what are you fucking wasting your parents' money for? What, what are you doing? You're supposed to practice, practice, practice. But I had um, a grandfather and an uncle who were big inspirations for me as a piano. So I quickly put that bullshit behind me with my, my teachers, and I studied under them. So pian- it's hard to say that piano, I didn't look at the piano and say, that's what I want to play. Because as much as I love it, it's still a big part of my life. My main instrument to to uh, you know to kind of express what I have, it was the guitars. You can't strap a guitar, a piano on your back and pick up a chick. It was a guitar, be tough. and for the guitar, be yeah. very tough. so the guitar is what what did it for me. And that, um, so as a Kiss fan, Kiss was like I, I was like fucking awesome. Even though Gene Simmons is my idol. I have five brothers, you know, four of us were like Irish twins. We were like 11 year, 11 months apart. So each one of us had, had their favorite. I, my, my favorite was Gene Simmons. Um, Ace as a guitar player was the fucking guy though. And Paul was cool. He sang, but 
but Gene just grabbed me. And my other three, three, three other out of the four brothers, um, each had their guy. My brother Michael also was a great musician. Um, he was Ace Fraley. So when I saw Van, uh, I saw Van Halen play. It was the first concert. April Wine opened up for him, and they were fucking killer. So that's when I saw. I was like, as a guitar player, you know, as a young musician, I was like, that's the shit. I want to fucking do that. Nice. So it was guitar. Um, I would say Eddie, and I don't remember the guitar player's name of. Um, oh yeah, there was another band too. I forgot. So while I was in the piano phase as a young kid, my uncle, who was a, a accomplished pianist um, and a composer, had a band, and they were kind of like a prog band. They were called um, Liquid Light, and the music—it's similar to like Yes and Emerson Lake and Palmer. It was like Prague, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I went to see them play. My father took me out. Must have been about maybe eight years old, and he was on stage like Rick Wakeman. He had all the fucking keyboards. It was amazing. But nice. their guitar Did he have a player, cape on? yeah, bro, he had a fucking cape. <laughs> I, to me, I, I like he's like he, he's like fucking uh, it's like fucking Superman. But I, I still look up to him, and, and he followed my music career you know, up to, up to this day and, and lives through me, through me vicariously. But, um, so his guitar player was like super tasteful. Like he didn't, it wasn't guitar playing over everything. He just tastefully play. And when, when it was his turn to like, to, to wail, he would wail. Um, and it was like tasteful. So I think that probably gave me a, a, a taste of what I like I like tasteful guitar. I like guitar that's there um, to enhance, not to shine as like a ego thing. Even though, I, you know, I love, you know, when it's your time to fucking wail, go for it. And I'm a big fan of, of Jakey Lee to Ingve. Um, but in my own music, I like the leads to kind of like paint a tale that enhances what's already there, not a, more of an ego grab. Yeah, your your leads over the years, and man, have they evolved as well. It, it, very textural. Yeah, I like, yeah. you know what, Eric Clapton, I'm a big fan of Eric Clapton. I love that stuff. And and I, I just spoke to, speaking of the uh, the um, Keith Richards of Hardcore, I just spoke to Bobby Hamble, the Biohazard League guitar player, <laughs> to, earlier today. And we were reminiscing about some funny, some funny Bobby times. Bobby Handball. Yeah. Every time I see him, he and I talk about Armando's on Rock. Rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, I, I forgot that when we were having a conversation, we were so busy talking, catching up. I hadn't talked to him for a couple months, and I would have told him that we were talking. He would have definitely shouted you out. Oh man, he's hard to get on these things because he's so anti-tech. He he's not into. I know, we were talking about <laughs> Patreon. I was like, I was like, bro, you got to do it. It's fucking awesome. I have a one-on-one -on -one with all my followers, like my fans. It's great. I, we, you know, it's like a, it's after the show. It's great to hang out at the merch booth and shake people's hands, talk to them. They got questions. I love answering all that stuff. But there's always somebody grabbing me, pulling me away. Yeah. So I was telling him about this, and he's like, you know, man, I come home from work. I just want to play guitar and lose myself, and and I I can't be you know, hogged down on, on some technology that I don't understand. And I'm not into having some young kid come over to hook it up. 
it teaches me because I'm not into it. I love talking to people, but it's not my thing. I'm like, I get it. Right. It's like uh, Sid, Sid the Kid always does it for stigma. Yeah. Sid just kind of sits in his big chair and Sid, Sid runs the tech forum when he does interviews. Yep. So you had you had your influences. You had the guys that that made you want to rock. So what was the guitar that you picked up? What was the guitar that you physically got your hands on that got you your start, your first guitar? So that's a funny story because I just got a message um, from somebody saying that they ha- they think they have my my second guitar ever. That's amazing. <clears throat> and I don't I don't know I don't remember how I sold it or where I did, but the first guitar. So after seeing um, after being a fan of Kiss as a little kid and seeing Van Halen and April Wine. I got into I, later. Well, before that, there was a, a buddy of mine down the street, and um, Scott Bullock is was named, and his brother, Rich Bullock, was a fucking amazing guitar player. We used to sit there and watch him play for like a half hour. It seemed like fucking forever, but he would only let us stay for a little while. But he would play like three or four hours after school, like we all you know end up doing. Um, but as little kids, he played and. Rich gave Scott one of his old guitars to try to teach him how to, you know, they could figure it out. And Scott never really picked it up, but he let me play it. Scott ended up liking drums more. So we would jam and we would try to learn Kiss songs and, and fumble through them here and there. But um, so that I never had a guitar. That was a guitar I would play. Skip ahead a bit. I got into punk rock. Scott moved away. We fell apart. Uh, you know, and, and just never kept in touch. Obviously, back then there was no cell phones to text each other. Yeah, no means. <laughs> yeah, no, no Instagram to instant message people. But uh, there was I got into punk rock and hardcore, and there was a band that I liked, and my buddy Pete Pete Menino, he was this punk rock kid, turned me on to some great music. Uh, and ironically, now I live in California, and a buddy of mine today was talking about Oxford. So he, he he was telling me about all this great music from Oxnard when he was a kid. And my buddy Pete gave me this punk rock. It was a, a compilation called um, Nardcore. It, and it was about all the bands that were from Oxnard. From, yeah. uh, so so many fu- aggression, um, Flipper, I think. I can't remember, but it was a great compilation. So when my buddy was telling me about this, anyways, that's to my friend Pete. He ended up um, accidentally... You know, I don't. We don't know if he committed suicide, if it was an accidental, um, gu- you know, gun went off. But he, this kid, turned me on to a lot of great music, and he gave me his guitar. This guitar was a fucking. It was a gem at the time. I loved it. It was a fucking. It had like a Bigsby tremolo on it, with and the, and the pickup switches were like, like switches. They were like these little plastic switches. I, mm-hmm. it, like sliders sliders like, yeah 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 it was it, this guitar looked awesome was covering all these punk rock and hardcore stickers i i fucking loved it so i started teaching myself a little bit about it. i would play around a little bit and play punk like mostly minor thread songs i knew i knew one chord i didn't even know the a version of a power chord i knew the e version so this band that i liked they lost a guitar player and i told them i said hey i'll 
I'll learn how to play guitar, teach myself if I can join your band. So um, I ended up joining this band. It was a punk rock band. We sucked, but we had great songs and had a lot of attitude. But Pete started me on that guitar. And I remember that guitar, um, we were in rehearsal one time. No, I, I, I was in my buddy's, Chris's uh, his apartment, and I was writing a song. And it was like a cartoon. I was I fucking just strummed real fucking hard or something. And suddenly the strings broke and the fucking the spring. And at the time I didn't know how it like how it was like manufactured <laughs> and how to put it back together. But the spring popped out and the Bigsby fucking tremolo, it just everything just fell apart. And it was like bam. <laughs> and my guitar was gone. I hadn't I'm like, holy fuck. And as a punk rock kid. I had no money to get it fixed. I had no idea what to do. This was my baby. So the, yeah. my girlfriend at the time bought me um, a Washburn. I don't remember the model, but it was a Washburn fucking, it was totally metal, totally not punk rock, totally not hardcore, but it had this red binding around it. It kind of looked like an Explorer. And yeah. then that was my guitar. It had a bar on it. And that was my guitar for like the beginning. Um, all through early biohazard for like, you know, the first couple of years. And then I, I bought an SG and then that SG, I fell in love with the double cutaway. And I, I think I sold my Washburn. And that was the message I mentioned at the beginning of the story. I know I'm rambling, but people are going to fast through all this. Somebody has, no, that, no. somebody has that Washburn. And I remember the early biohazard shows crack was all over New York. It was a big thing. And the jumbos, were these little vials and they were all like the tops of them were like green different colors but we used to collect i used to collect them and i would tape them on top of the guitar so <laughs> um I, I would love to have that guitar back so somebody sent me a message if That's you amazing. do get that guitar back you have to let me know because i'm the vice president of the company that owns washburn and we, I would love to be able to put that on social media, bro. What it, what was the? It was like an A five. It was like a something. I don't know the model number. That was so before my time. But we'll we'll look in the archives. Yeah, but that that's such look. a great story. So, so before yeah. I, I just gotta ask. Yeah. You said you had you used that in Biohazard. I I remembered you. I was gonna ask if at some point you played pointy guitars. Because I really wanted to say I saw you at Lemoore's playing something pointy, and it was I was going to ask what guitar it was. Could it have been that? Would you have played? Would you have been playing out with that guitar? Yeah. So that uh, that guitar, <laughs> I'm looking it up right now from um, late '80s. So it it didn't have any points. What you probably saw, I, I played this guitar. I, I can't remember, but I, you probably saw like. There was a phase of like maybe I think I broke a bunch of guitars during the during the my time. You had a super. You had like a super strat at one point. Maybe it was uh, a Charvel or a Kramer or something. It, I think it was an A yeah, twenty. It was a pointy headstock. This this headstock was cut off, and it was like an Explorer body. I think it was an A twenty. Do you remember I'll that guitar? That I'll, check it out. I'll check it out. So as far as. Yeah, I think it was A20. It looks like an A20. It, had, it was black with red binding. But as far as any other guitars that had points on them, um, I did I, I did remember... Wait a minute. I'm sorry. I I used to borrow a lot of guitars as backups because they always went out of tune. I was so fucking 
running around on stage um, more than playing that uh, I would just knock him out of tune. Now I play yeah. the Evertune, which is a whole other conversation we'll have next. But yeah. I did have a Charvel. That's what I remember. That's what it was. Yep. It was your Charvel. I, because I couldn't afford Jackson, which I wanted. And a lot of, and I don't know, I was such a hardcore kid, but I, I remember um, the guys in Warzone, there was a, they went through a metal phase where they, they got more metal and the dudes were um, playing Char, I think they were playing Charvels or Jacksons, but I couldn't they afford went, a Jackson. I ESP. It they wasn't ESP. ESP. No, I never played ESP. I, now I'm with ESP and I fucking love them. But um, back then it was Charvel. I had a Charvel, which was a Dan, cheaper version Dan of. Dan played in another band with um, Paulie. Yeah, I and played, now uh, he's playing like seven strings. Paulie, yeah, Paul, Paul, Paul Canade, uh, Paul from Altercation, from, from Warzone, Vento. the the guys from Warzone. They were from Altercation, and they went over to Warzone. That's what it was. Yeah, Altercation, yeah. which was that was a um, what's his name's band. Uh, Singer, singer of uh, from Burn, Gavin. Was it Gavin the singer? No, Jay Vento from Warzone. That's Absolution. Absolution. Jay, yeah, Absolution, that's right. yeah. I have Absolution also. Dan, Dan, you, played you, in both of them. Dan, you played in both? Yeah, more recently. Like, nice. not in the 80s. Back then, I was, a, I was a little too young. I was around. I just wasn't old enough to do that. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so that was it. The Washburn A20, and then I switched to Charvel, and then I switched to Gibson. I think Scott Conan got me a I don't remember what it was. I think I got a deal um, through, you guys probably know him, um, the Gibson guy. He went and started. Um, oh, Jimmy. Jimmy Archie. Yeah. Jimmy Archie. Jimmy hooked, it, hooked me up, and him and I hit it off great, and then I, then I never played anything else. It was Gibson only for fucking 15 years. So when I met you, you were playing the Charvel. The first time I met you, and for, and for the Patreon, I'm gonna I'm gonna put that up there so that yeah, did. And it is super clean. That's how long I've had this thing. Um, so I met you. I think for the first time when I was a kid, you'd never remember at Ciro's CD Cellar in Canarsie. Yeah, Ciro was on our Glenwood boy. Road. Yep. And uh, and I got that. And then I remember when the Maze record came out. And and at that point, I knew some. The, I I knew I had a lot of mutual friends with Danny. We used to know this guy Mo, who lived up in the yeah. Patagons. Yeah. Who you know Mo? I yeah, guess yeah, 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 yeah. And Danny had that band so, Crystal Ship. Yes. Yep. Yep. So. Or Crystal. I gotta Keith. say, the first time I saw a guitar. Yeah. So worlds colliding yeah. that made me want to play because I was playing drums at the time. Yeah. First time I saw a guitar that made me want to play was your first SG. And that made me want to play guitar. And at that point I stopped playing drums and I got a guitar. It wasn't an SG. It was like an Epiphone Les Paul. Yeah. But that's what I strove for. And I remember in 91, I finally bought my first SG. So yeah, I, I, I think it was around 90 because I, I had the Charvel. No. I had the Washburn just for a hot minute. Not hot minute, but I mean in biohazard. And I think mm -hmm. it broke. I, I, I got it. I'm, I'm really interested in talking to this person. I, I just got the message today on Instagram. But um, 
And then I got the, I don't remember how I got the Charvel because that was fucking expensive. And I, I didn't have any fucking money, man. I don't, I don't, I don't, it must've been a girlfriend. Back then we would, there was always like, you know, girls around with that worked and you kind of, you know, they, yeah. we, you know how it is. You remember. They, they, they loved you. They loved you and wanted you to have the best. We yeah. Know. You know, <laughs> and they were usually the only four girls at the shows at the beginning. Yeah. For sure. But, uh, but then, um, but then, yeah, because I remember the first, we got a record deal, probably it had to be 90 when I got the first SG, so red one, Oxford, yeah. I, somewhere around. Here's another one. Here's a classic one. See that? Yeah. That's nice. one of the ones. I'll stick it up. Yeah. Did you pull the neck pickup out of that one? Um, That one, is it? Oh, you got good eyes. I don't know. Bro. I can't say. Uh, yeah, I'm. No, it's it just a black, like there was a... It, it, it's an EMG, just black. It's probably just not showing up. Blacked out, yeah. Yeah, blacked out. So let's let's get into the SG phase, right? So at that point, you guys get signed. You get your first SG. Yeah. What, what, what amp are you playing at that time? Are you still playing Marshalls at that point? Yeah, so at the beginning, um, once... At the beginning, I think we, were, we would borrow amps. It was that bad. I didn't, I didn't have my own amp. And I think Joe Bravo would loan us stuff. And then Mikey Big Balls of Flatbush would loan us stuff. But we would, I had a crate for a little while. And I think we would borrow stuff to play. Um, and then when we, then I finally bought a head and a half stack. So I think I had a, a slant cab. And Bobby was using a crate that we used to borrow. And that was, a, that was our sound for a bit. And then Bobby, um, got into Mesa Boogie, and then th that was it. Then that was the biohazard thing. It was Marshalls and, and Mesa Boogies, and we would. What, were you playing eight hundreds or nine hundreds at that point? No, eight hundreds. I think eight hundreds with. A t I I remember I learned this from Scotty, and he was um, the, the TC Electronic um, Red Distortion, mm -hmm. and then I started moving. You know, trying different pedals and different things. But that was the bomb. That with a Marshall, <coughs> fucking amazing. So you're putting. So you were using a one channel, like on the clean channel, but with all the balls. No, just the heavy channel. Oh, okay. With there's a dual. With the yeah. TC on top of it. Yeah, yeah. And I used Ooh. to use. I used to use the TC just to. Uh, Scott Ian showed me this. It, it was a great trick, just just to push over. Where a lot of times, all the sounds we were getting were use the pedal whatever the you know i think i mean it was a uh, probably the tube screamer i had a metal zone pedal with i think which boss but i always yep. use the distortion out of the pedals to get the crunch that i wanted and then scott ian actually taught me um he showed me just just you taste get the sound get a great sound of the amp and use a pedal to just push it over a little bit where you want it and that helped nice. a lot so what through through all the guitars you've had, you've had heads, guitars, all this stuff. What's the oddest guitar that you've had? What would you say would be the the strangest thing that you just loved having, loved playing, had a great sound? Was there any oddball guitars? Um not an oddball guitar, but there is a um I have a an old Gibson. I never got it dated, but it's super fucking old. It's got P90s in it. It's right here. Oh yeah, let's see. I like this show and tell shit. 
yet. And I think they oh, called. Yeah. I think they called it the Paul. I don't know, but that's it, that's it, a junior. Junior. So this was a. Uh, um, I had a, a guitar tech who was my best friend. Um, his name was Umbar, and he was with me for a long time. We were. Um, we took a break, and went on. Uh, um, started working on a new record, and during that break, he went out with. Uh, started working with L7 and he fell in love with the singer and he, we were both straight edge. We had kicked dr drugs and we were straight drug, but he fell off and started banging heroin and end up, he was with them, fell in love with Danita and OD'd on tour with them. But he left me that guitar and it sits on my wall. I play once in a while. I played on a couple of records, but it's a P90. So it's super fucking noisy and you have to, uh, you have to take a long lead and connect it from the bridge to the board to get it to stop buzzing, but it sounds great. That's that's oh, a, wow. that's not an odd one, but it's it's got a lot of meaning. I would say this one. This is a that's funny. That's that's the second L seven reference. Yeah. On, on a podcast this past week. Oh yeah, I love those girls. I got a lot of great stories about them. So this is a Ibanez. I was an Ibanez for a bit, and it was a. a a model I had that we never, we just never put it out. I mean, they never sold it as my model. And I was always bummed out because all these great fucking friends of mine all had models from Christian to Dino, um, guys in corn. But it, I think it was, a, I can't remember the name of it, but it was a all black, flat black. And I just covered it in duct tape. But this one was fucking tried and true out of all the guitars it stayed the best in tune and i i love the sound the feel the way it played it held up great on tour and i had like four of them but um and it wasn't until like the esps with the evertune bridge sorry i know you're with watch but no no it's trust me i i get it actually we we do esp in canada our canadian division does esp up there um, and you might know Mark Finn up there. Why does that sound familiar, Mark Finn? You know Mark. He's a, he's a he's a hardcore metal yeah. dude as well, and he's the VP of the division up there. Nice. Um, but yeah, Ben swears Ben Weinman. He he's got a signature yeah. ESP it's, man. Yeah, it's semi hollow. Great. I got to get one of those. Yeah, me too. It's yeah. a killer guitar. Yeah, yeah. But the bro. It was tell, actually, Rod, tell Rod to steal one on the next tour and just grab it for you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll, I'll just call him up. Um, but the uh, that's a crazy invention. I'm sure you guys have talked about it, tons of people. But what a yeah, fucking yeah, talk about yeah. Let's talk about it. Let's just take it there. I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. I've I've heard a lot about it. Uh, I've never had one in my hands. Um, I, I am super curious. So here's the, you know, the deal we make, we don't make records, we tune, right? So the studio, if, you know, if, if, if who you're working with or this, you know, has any salt, you're going to tune so much when you're tracking your records that it's almost, feel, you make it, it feels like you're tuning more than you're making a record and playing. Mm -hmm. That bridge alone eliminates that need to tune between every fucking take. It's always in tune. So here's the deal. I was with, um, I 
can't remember who I, I wasn't. I already split Gibson. I went to Gibson to Ibanez, and then I was with Schechter for a hot minute, a hot minute, and all their guitars. Are you guys with Schechter, James? You're not with Schechter, right? No, no, we we do. Funny enough, we do Schechter in Canada, but I, I know those guys pretty well. Man. Great guys and really fucking awesome guys. The company we always reminded me of Rotor. It's like a bunch of like Road Order had. It was like if you go to a fuck any hardcore metal show and and just handpick ten people and bring them in an office. That's what Road Order felt like to me. Schechter yeah. always also felt the same way. Um, so great. Well, people. the CEO walked around with you know cut off shirt and just you know Michael right. Yeah, I never met him. Oh yeah, he, I'm yeah. a total metal dude. Yeah, total metal dude. Makes sense. Um, swore he was from Brooklyn, by the way, when we when we spoke, and yeah. he's from Louisiana. It's just amazing <laughs> how some people from Louisiana sound like they're from New York. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So um, I was um, they, they the guy sent me a an ESP guitar. Um, actually, I was talking to um, the inventor. The guy, um, his name is R R Cosmos. Cosmos, yeah. Cosmos is the guy. Um, and somebody turned me on to it, and I think it was um, Mitch from Madball. He put him on, he had a BC Rich, and he put these bridges on them. I'm like, what yeah. the fuck is that? He goes, bro, it's amazing. I'm, and I'm like, and he's telling me about it. I'm like, you gotta, he told me you got to cut a lot of wood out, and he had these beautiful BC Riches. And put yeah, them it's in. a mockingbird. He yeah. Plays, right? Well, and he is. put them in there, and I was like, I wasn't too keen on cutting wood, um, you know, cutting my guitars up, especially SGs. So Cosmos, he gives me the number. I talked to the dude. He's from New York, and he tells me about this this new invention of them, right? And he told me he was Mitts and a couple other people used them. And he goes, if you want to try it out, you know, I'll send you one. You can check it out. And then I was like, I don't. To try it out, I don't want to take an SG and just cut away wood. You know, I'm not into that. And he said, you know what, talk ESP. We just made a deal with ESP. Um, he asked me, I knew Chris Canella. I'm like, yeah, I know Chris, good dude. Because call him up. Maybe he can, you know, you check one out. You just, you know, I get one on loan. So Chris um, sent me a guitar. We were going to South America on tour. I got the guitar, pulled it out of the box, out of the case, played around with that. I'm like, wow, pretty cool. Checked, you know, watched a couple of videos. Put it back in the box. Went to your uh, went to South America. Put it on the plane. I didn't detune it, which you're supposed to. And I landed in like Colombia, I think. Pulled it out. It was in tune. Go to the hotel, play a little bit. It's in tune. It was my main my main act. It was my backup. I brought it as a backup, and then um, went and sound checked with it. I got you know my tech. We set it up. Put my shit on that I like. Um, Got all strapped up, sound check, in tune. Play the show. Play my main guitar, and I, I look at him. He's like, give it a try. So I switched over to it. It's in tune. I stayed the rest of the show, in tune. Put it back in the, in the fucking case. Went back to the hotel the next morning. We parted with the Exploited that night. Had a wild night. Got up on the way to the airport just to check it. It's still in tune. I'm like, what the fuck? So we go to uh, Argentina, then Brazil. It's... Flying on planes, never had it, and came came back to fucking L.A., and, uh, and the shit stayed in tune. I called Chris, and I'm like, bro, he goes, you don't even have to tell me. It's amazing, right? I'm like, yeah, it's fucking amazing. 
I said, only one problem. It's not a double cutaway. He said, don't worry. We're doing them in Vipers. We're going we're gonna to have them for you. I said, all right. I said, I'm, I'm in. Let's, let's do this. And I, I've been, I was playing the Eclipse for a while. I, didn't, I, I wasn't really into a Les Paul kind of style. And the Eclipse that they have is kind of like that. Um, yeah. Single, single cutaway. Cut. But they made me a, I was into ESP and the Vipers. They made me a, a couple of Vipers. And I fucking, it's unbelievable. Nice. Great Good stuff. My thing is, is tuning. So, Dan, it's, um, it, it is a, uh, I mean, for bending, I, I can, I set mine up so I can get bends. Um, I'm not that kind of player. And as a, as a rhythm player that sings, having the, the security that knowing that my guitar is always in tune, that if something's out, it's me, not my guitar. That's this. It takes this fucking load off your shoulders. Nice. As far as like nice. vibrato, and if you're really in touch with the guitar, you probably don't need a, a bridge like this. I'm very active on stage. My shit always goes out of tune, used to go out of tune all the time. So the trade-off for me is way worth it. And also the benefits of being in the studio, every every band I play with, even Aaron, our band, uh, COP, these guys, I made them play my guitars. They could, they're, they're, you know, the tuning in A, I have a seven string. So, you know, drop that, you know, drop down to B. That's a hard, when you go that low, it's hard to get that staying, you know, staying in, um, in yeah. tune for, especially for recording, let alone live. Um, and you always, there's always an intonation problem, but these stay perfectly in tune. The way they're designed, they're, it, it's the, the, the weather and the temperatures is not a factor. That's awesome. awesome. So you, you brought up the studio a couple of times and I think it's definitely worth plugging. So you got Firewater Studios. Yep. You're consistently working on records for all of your own bands. Um, by the way, this is not a new thing for you. You've been producing, you actually produced the second side of this demo, right? The, the second biohazard demo you were engineering. So you've been <laughs> working in the studio industry for a long time. Um, what do you do? And cause you and I have talked about studio stuff. You've given me tips on getting good kick drum sounds, but when it comes to guitar sounds, what, what is your magic formula for tone in the studio? What do you like to do? What kind of mics do you like to use that type of stuff? Well, a bunch of things. I, I, I have a, um, an audio technical ribbon that I love. I'm tried and true. Uh, give, me, give me a 57 and a 421 with a ribbon and you, it's um, endless results. There is a, um, a new thing I'm trying out. There's a bunch of new things. I'm, I'm not really into a formula thing. I have my go-tos that I like. Um, I have all my, all my cabinets are all, there's a sweet spot. I learned this technique a long time ago from Ed Stasium where um, you take a, you know, you put your, put a microphone up, a preamp running through headphones and you go and sit in front of the amp and make sure nothing's plugged in so no one's going to blow your ears off but you take a microphone and you you move it around tiny bit keep moving around different placements around the speaker and when the hiss gets louder you can start to hone in and that's the sweet spot of a speaker it's and it works on the cone works on the speaker everything it's fucking amazing and then you can wow. go on off access if, how you want. Huh. But I, all my cabinets all have different little X uh, crosses over it, and those are the sweet spots. I know where they are. And so 
a lot of times it, it has to do as a producer, I always want the artist to feel comfortable. So I don't always make them use my gear, but it's always there for their option if they want to use it. Right. The other thing is um, besides, there's a, a new isolation um, company. Uh, uh, it's an isolation stand for a, a marsh, for a cabinet that I'm dying to use next. So I'm, I'm finishing up um, a, a band called Cutthroat and I'm, help them write the record and produce it and it's fucking a killer record but we're going to be using these iso um it's like it's the company's called it's the same thing i use my speakers so here's the uh iso acoustic i don't know if you've heard of this these mm -hmm. so they make them for um they make them for uh speaker cabinets and i'm psyched to see what that what that does so it sits on it to isolate it from the floor? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. So we'll see how that works out. They they sound they're phenomenal for for speakers. I, I love what they do. They it's just you get the true sound of the speaker and there's no resonation from, you know, the speaker stand and obviously with the with the cabinet from the floor. So I mean do I, you I know the room mic as well. Oh close, yeah, close mics, room mics, back mics, everything. Different combinations. So to, to reiterate, I don't have a formula. I, I want to have each band um, to have their own sound. I, I don't try to make them use my guitar sounds. And it, it, it's important that when that they're developing their thing, that they get their own sound. Some guitar players are open to it. Some don't give a fuck. Some guys are like, yeah, just give me a synthetic one. I'm like, no, let's use an amp, you know. Um, right. But another technique I'm doing is <clears throat> there's when you go in the studio, there's two things. There's a bunch of pressure on your head as a guitar player. There's your performance, your tone, um, and being in tune. All right. So I know how to eliminate the tuning thing by either just using EverTune or just tuning between every fucking take, just like just constantly tuning. Uh, but the other two things, the other two variables of playing, playing well, and also getting a great guitar tone. They weigh heavy on your fucking shoulders, and every guitar player will—they'll stand by this. It's a lot. You get a great guitar tone, you're psyched about your playing, and you start playing your fucking first song, and you get all this pressure. You just—you want to make sure that you're playing tight, whether you go first or second. If you're a two-guitar band or if you're doubling your own guitars, there's so much there about your performance that you start to second guess guitar tone and i've never met a guitar player that didn't get the second song of the record and they're like i don't know if that's the right sound i don't know if i like that anymore so you're like oh fuck now you're starting to second guess it so your focus shifts from playing to your sound and you're you're kind of getting a little bit um distracted from your your performance because you're like second guessing the guitar sound and then you start yeah. saying it to the producer, and I've been in this situation many times. I don't know if, I, is that the right sound? I don't know, man. I don't know if I like this anymore. A lot of times your ears are shot because the high end starts to go. So, you, you know, and you start to reach for your, your tone. And as a producer, I learned, and I don't, I'm like, no, no, no. That's the sound. Don't touch it. What, what do you need more? Now, I'll add more EQ on the, on the out of the track so they hear more high end that way. Cause you got to trust it. You know, you got to pick, you know, 
make your decision and stick with it. It's that's yeah, some yeah. of the greatest records were like that. Um, when you start second guessing. So my new technique, what I do now is I, I love Kemper. I play Kemper. Um, I have a Kemper in the studio and I dial in sounds and we get a sound that the guitar player likes. And I explain it to him like this. What I explained to you about having the two pressures of a sound versus your performance weighing down your shoulders. I said, let's let's eliminate one. We could already eliminate the tuning issue by just either tuning or you play every tune or whatever. Um, that's So that's off the table. Let's eliminate the problem of having your guitar tone, you know, dialed in perfectly. And maybe you might change your mind or maybe you might want it. Maybe it might not work the best for a different song that's a little slower or whatever. You want to go something different. So I record through a Kemper. We print, we get a, a sound that everybody likes and I print that, but I print my DI guitar. When I get done, I use the Kemper and that gives us the beef that get you know gets us fucking flowing everybody's psyched and suddenly what happens to the guitar player he no longer has that pressure of of committing to a guitar sound even though he's happy with the Kemper sound he i, I tell him listen we're going to get your tracks down it's going to be fucking awesome we'll edit it we'll pick the best takes any mistakes we'll fix whatever we got to do in 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 the box in in studio tricks we in when we're done we have a great fucking tr guitar performance. I take a DI and I run it out, I reamp it, and then we sit there and now the pressure is off because you performed amazing. The, I'm, I'm speaking to the guitar player. You got a, yeah, a track yeah. that's fucking killer and now you don't have to worry about playing it. You can listen to that fucking guitar perfectly played to the fucking drums and to the bass or whatever coming through an amp of your choice and you could tweak it. You could tweak the mics and you don't have that pressure. So it's almost like we split the responsibility into two different times and it's yeah. working great, man. It, all the no, guitars, that's a beautiful approach. Man. Yeah. It's a great approach. That's I really haven't good. talked about that in clubhouse yet, but I will. <laughs> so we'll be coming out for a while. Later. Yeah. So I just, I have a lot of random questions a lot. My, uh, Everybody has like a story about the best piece of gear that they've acquired. Like you, you found this in a pawn shop for 50 bucks. You got this off the back of a truck, uh, a guy on a street corner, whatever it is. Everyone yeah. has the story. Uh, he's what, going for it. What is your story and what, what piece of gear is it? And what's the story behind it? We love ACDC, right? Of course. Who doesn't? I don't know if it's backwards with the camera. No, nope. the shit for replica. Yeah. Amazing. This is? Yep. So these guys, um, they they make. Um, let me get this. If I get the story right, I know they make um, Angus's stuff. Like Angus said, how he never used anything. Right. That's the story. But what right. he did was. He the wire the old wireless systems, they um, they found out they had they, he, he did something where he found out that if he plugs out of the output of the headphones coming from the wireless, it changed the sound. It was adding gain, right? So that's where he drove those heads. That's to my understanding. Okay. So these dudes um, went and got those units and. The, the wireless units and it was a way that the sound was compressed 
coming from the pack and uncompressed from the unit and the, and the signal processing between that and going to the head and they replicated it. So they, they build all the, they build the, the same units that actually we use like Axel that Angus used back in the day and, and Angus uses them. That's what he uses. So these dudes, um, I can't remember the fucking company. So it's like these weird uh, synthetic compression that's just coming from the buffers of those wireless units. Yeah, it, it was like just a natural thing. It just sounded great. It was like the story. I remember hearing a story how um, the Who was going in the studio and one of the amps fell off the back of the truck or something and it, the speakers broke. So yeah. when they plugged it in, it sounded all broken. But the producer was like, no, I like that. Let's record it like that. And so that was the beginning of the distortion from the story that I heard. Um, sure. So I would say that would be it. Cool. Yeah. So we all have, all of us, we've all got the one that got away. And this is like my favorite question because I know my one I, that got away. So what's the piece of gear you had that you're still kicking yourself in the ass for getting rid of? Uh, hold on. Hey, bro, let me just talk to my buddy here. Aaron, you, you're, you don't have to hang. You're welcome to, but you don't have to. We're done for the day. Right, there you go. So yeah. Be a fly on the wall. If you want to keep that in, that's Aaron from COP coming out this year. It's fucking killer. Anyways, well, the one that got away, um, as far as gear, yeah, I I I remember getting rid of my fit all my fifty one fifties. And the original ones, and that fucking sucks. That I I miss those. They were the original ones that are supposed to be hot after. Um, I wish I had the Charvel, the Washburn for sure. I wish I wish I wish I had the Washburn. The um, Washburn may come back. That may be cool. It's I think it's in the cards between you and, and the and the message I got today. I'm hoping that it's in the cards to get that back. That, That'll that's be great. That's a pretty huge coincidence. That's yeah, a, no that's big. Yeah. I'll buy it. I mean, actually, this is not live. So, yeah, I'll buy it, man. No, this, is, this isn't coming out but for a while. I'm knocking on wood, and I'm going to give them a look yet, not to you, but to the other guy, that hopefully you acquire that guitar by the time this airs. There we go. <laughs> Definitely want to follow up on that, too. I'd love to hear it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so you were playing, actually, original PV5150s, and you're bummed that you got rid of them. They're definitely sought after. You went over, um, I, I know you said that you're using the Kemper, but you did go over to playing the EVH stuff. So, more yeah. recently, right? Sorry, that's so fucked up. I can't believe I, yeah, I am. I, no, 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 I jumped on it before you did. You would have gotten there. All right. We'll, so, we'll, we'll tell all our friends at Fender, it's, it's cool. No, no, I have, I, that's my, that's my shit, dude. So I use, I use the 5150, the new ones. Um, and they're fucking killer. So I'm AVH guy and I, I love them. Rest in peace, Eddie. Um, they're great guitars. I great. They, I actually play the guitars. Um, they have, it's Dan, uh, my guitar player, Dan Palmer, um, from Billy Bio. He also plays with Zebrahead and, um, no way. Zebrahead. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. a blast from the past. So anyways, but the, is that the dude, does he play, does he play uh Phantom? The Hagstrom Phantom? Yeah. 
Yeah, so we we do Hackstrom in the U.S. too. I love that guitar, dude. Really? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Dude, I don't I, th- I don't know if you guys endorse him. I think he's I think he's bought on his own. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk. We'll talk. Okay. Those guys are always looking to support. Yeah. Um. And um, and and you know it's funny you were telling that the Evertune story, right? And yeah. and the funny shameless plug considering it's our brand to sell. Um, the guys from Paramore would say the same thing because they, they play Hagstrom, they play um, Vikings. Yeah. And, you know, they play Vikings and it goes right in the case after the show and the guitar tech takes it out and strums it and it's good because of that I-beam, they call it an H-expander um, truss rod. Yeah. It, it keeps that neck straight. And uh, and they would say we had like these other brand semi-hollow guitars and, and they'd have to take them out and work on them for an hour before they were show ready. But those Hagstroms, you know, you pull them out and, and bang. So I had noticed that that your boy was playing those on on that on that tour. Yeah, the um the, the, the yeah. Good work, brother. Thank you. Fucking nailed it today. Hi, right, bro. Good work. I have a little bit of a headache, but it's good. Yeah, it's normal. <laughs> Sorry, guys. That's that's how you know you put in the work. Yep. The guys, they can't hear you because I'm on headphones. They said that's how you know you put in the work. These guys are big players, dude. They've been around for a long time. Yeah. All right. So, you too, bro. I'll call you after. Um, the EVH, the, yeah. So, what I do is um, I model my uh, my amps, and the, and the fucking Kemper shit is for um, for the. For, I mostly use the Kemper for power flow. Um, although my whole backline is EVH, and I'll go out of the Kemper into the EVH for the power, um, and that tube just it just takes it to a different level. But power flow, yeah. there's a lot of different sounds and a lot of like soundscaping that I I have to change, and I'm not I'm past the pedal board stuff. Even though I got a lot of great collection of pedals um, live, I just found that the Kemper just gives me everything I need for for that pr- kind of programming. Billy Bio yeah. Biohazard, it's straight into the EVH and and uh and it's just fucking killer. Nice. I think uh Sergio's using the Kemper as well, isn't he? I'm talking to Dan. Nah, Sergio's oh I, I mean unless he's changed, but he was using fractal. He was on oh, fractal. fractal. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sergio and Gavin are both using the fractal systems Sergio based Sergio from, from Quicksand with uh oh yeah from Quicksand. Deftones. And Deftones. Good dude. Yep. Great dude. But a lot of people are doing that. And you know, you guys are actually modeling, not modeling, you're actually physically recording your own tone, your own multi-layered tones. So it's not like you're you're using like a you know, like a modeling software. Yeah, I mean you're using your own genuine sound. You're just able to create it, recreate it live and control yeah. it better, right? You're almost guaranteeing a perfect tone, and eh? love the word tone, uh, for, for your audience every night. And especially when you do a fly gigs. And I know you guys did that big tour with, uh, with, with wisdom and chains and gorilla biscuits and, you know, yeah. to be able to just go over with a box and boom, you're ready to go. And it's, it's Billy's Bro. tone is, it's a lot to be said about that. It's up. I don't have a hard, I don't have a USB drive here to show you, but it's, I, I go to Europe with that. You know what I mean? And my rigs are there, the but I just, there. Yeah, yeah. I just program my shit here, and then take it there, and I have you know two rigs, and they just a backup, 
and then it's it's fucking awesome. But yeah, it's amazing. That's amazing. I gotta say, plugging it when I you know from Biohazard to Billy Bio, just plugging straight in is killer. Just a little a noise, little noise suppressor in the front end. And that's it. Yeah, that there, awesome. there's a lot to be said for simple and just yeah. having the right head to do it with. Yep. Yeah. So you gave us a great tone tip with with the speaker, finding the sweet spot on the speaker. I actually can't wait to go downstairs yeah. this weekend and try it in my Same, studio. same. I'm going to be doing the same thing. Yeah. So, yep. But earlier in your career, like what what great tone tip did you, I mean, God, you gave us two because that one with Scotty Ian with that TC pedal as well. So do you have another? I mean, that's a, so those are two killer stories for, yeah. for us and our listeners to, to try. Here's probably the most wide, uh, most eye-opening experience I ever had with guitar tones was um, working with Ed Stasium, who did all the Ramones stuff, Smithereens, uh, Living Color, Great dude, great friend, amazing producer. I was getting guitar sounds, and you know he had me go in the room. We were at A and M, and he he was like, "Go set your rig up, and you know, let me know when you're ready." So I, I I'm fucking rocking out in front of the amp, two you know, Marshall head, two fucking cabinets stacked up, cranked to fucking eleven. Yeah, fuck that room sounded amazing. I'm like fucking. He walks in and he's like, "So, is that your sound?" I said, "Yeah." What do you think? He goes, "Sounds awesome. Sounds amazing. Let's mic it up and see what it sounds like." Right? <laughs> he throws a 57 on there, and I go in the room. I'm like, "Fucking crap!" And I'm like, "I didn't." Inside, I'm like, "I'm like, how am I gonna tell this guy who I fucking got nothing but love and respect for that my guitar sounds like crap?" Is he, you're supposed to make, this is supposed to be the best sound I'll ever get in my career up to now. So I'm like, how am I going to tell him this? And he goes, so he's like, so what do you think? I'm like, I don't know. It's just not there. It's like, what do you think? You know? And he's kind of like pushing me for this. And I'm like, I don't know. It's your job. He was like beating around the bush. And I'm like, I'm like stressed out. I'm like, I didn't want, I didn't know how to say it. So I'm like, bro, fuck it, bro. This sucks. This is not it. Goes, yeah, I don't think so either. Sounds like crap, huh? I'm like, yeah. Couldn't you just tell me that you thought it sounded like crap? I thought an hour ago it sounded like crap. He goes, all right, good. Let's go out in the room. And he goes, go ahead, play. And I'm like, all right, I play. He goes, sounds great, huh? I'm like, yeah. He goes, sounds like shit inside, but sounds great here. He goes, what do you think? I said, I don't know. He goes, I'll tell you why. He goes, he goes. Put your put your ear by the speaker. Tell me what you think. I said, no fucking way. He's like, why not? You afraid? I go, no, I got to protect my ears. And he goes, all right, that's what's happening to the microphone. That microphone is getting bombarded with 130 dB of fucking just illness, but distortions and everything's just obliterating <laughs> this fucking diaphragm on this, on this shitty little mic. And it's not. We ended up not using just a 57, but he went on to tell me. He goes. This is what we're going to do. He goes, we're going to bring the head into the room. He goes, and we're going to dial in a sound for the microphone. Because what the microphone hears is different than what your ear hears. He goes, when you're standing in front of your, amp you know, your amplifier, it's, your ears are picking up 
the reflection of your guitar sound off the floor. Your ears are picking up the reflection of the guitar sound, come bouncing off the wall and then hitting your ears. It's picking up the reflections of the guitar sounds, the direct sound, obviously, in addition to all the reflections of around the room. And they're all hitting your ears at different times. In addition to that, you have two ears. So it's a stereo mic. And I said, and so I interrupt that. So, oh, okay, cool. Let's put a microphone where I'm standing. And he goes, all right, let's do that. I have a microphone. We have a head, like a, like a dummy head. And we'll put two microphones like the ears. You think that'll be, that'll solve it? I said, yeah. Judging by what you're saying. He was so schooling you. It's not even funny. He was just taking the piss out of me, bro. Yeah, no kidding. Great guy. He, I didn't feel disrespected at all. This guy was just teaching me, right? So I'm sitting yeah. there. I said, we went through like a half hour and we worked with this guy, Randy Wine. And he set up all the mics and we go back in the room. And I'm like, what the fuck? It sounds like it's in a different room. I'm like, where's that close sound? I said, at least the other sound, it sounded like shitty, but it sounded like it was right in front of the fucking speakers. And he said, well, there you go. Because now we have the room, the microphones are picking up what your ears hear. I said, but there's other elements involved. He goes, your head is a fucking echo chamber. So what your ears pick up, it, it reverberates inside your own head. And then your body hears it. So you feel all this sound. He goes, there's so many fucking variables that you can't quantify it. You can't measure it. You can't capture it like that. He goes, what I've found, the best way to capture a guitar sound is to dial in the sound with a combination of a couple different microphones placed different in different positions around the mic, the cabinet, but taking your amp into the room and dialing it in there. He goes, don't look at your sound. Now you got to listen to it. Listen to the way the microphones are going to pick up the guitar amp and the, the, the guitar sounds coming out of the speakers, but don't look at your sound. Don't look at what the EQ is. Don't look at where the gain set. And that changed everything for me. And I've shared that with every guitar player I've ever recorded. And they're all, at first, they all do the same thing. No, no, no. I don't set my EQ that way. I'm like, don't look at your guitar sound. Listen to the speakers. Close your eyes. Listen to it come out of the speakers. And let's dial in your sound that way. And the, the other thing is less gain is more. Oversaturated guitar sounds sound great in the studio, in recording studio, sound maybe sound great in the amp, you know, in front of your amp, but in front of a microphone with a dope preamp and a dope fucking compressor, it's not the same. Yeah. Dial yeah. back on the gain, no, you, it'll go much further. Yeah, you can get a, a shit ton. If you're looking for balls, layer it up. Right, layer up less gain, and you'll get those balls. Uh, yeah, another thing too, I learned about like Tui Matson taught me this. Like having, I used to, I think the first record he just he just finished mixing the second Billy Bio record, and it's fucking amazing. But the first one, I sent him, um, I would send him a DI with three mics, and because I, I would print them, and he said to me, "What are you pussy?" I said, "What? What'd you say?" He goes. Just fucking make your mind up. Commit to it. Because I don't need three. Because if you like the combination of those three microphones, print print it. Grab your fucking balls, make a decision, and commit to it. He goes, what do you, you think you want to change your mind? He goes, I'm not, what am I going to do? Change it around? And then you have you go, that's not what I wanted. 
send right. me what you like, bro. And I said, okay, cool. And I, I learned a valuable <laughs> lesson. Make a decision, shit or get off the pot, you know? That's great. That's awesome. That's great. We had to do that back back in the day. We all remember making demos. You had yeah. one track. You couldn't do a DI. You had to make a decision. But when Pro Tools came around and suddenly you have the, the idea of, oh, I can have two different heads. I can go through my radial splitter, which is a big go-to. If you can see yeah. this. Let me show yeah. you this. My radial can you see that in the rack on the yeah. stressors? I could go, you know, you could plug one DI in and I could take out six, I can run six amps, six heads, six cabinets, unlimited mics. It's great. And at, at, when I have a band with a bigger budget, we do that. But I'll pick only one amp that fits with that song. And I'll print I'll get one track. And it's just, it's worked great. The other thing is, Layering with massive distortion, you end up with phase issues at different frequencies that can be a nightmare. So if you print one track, there you go. What's it, it can't go out of phase with himself, you know? Yeah. yeah no, yeah. for sure. Been there. Otherwise, you get a, you have that option paralysis. Just uh, yeah. infinite options, and you never actually accomplish anything. Yeah. yeah. You know, a, a bo every book has an end to it. Every story has an end. Every chapter you know, starts, you know, ends and goes with your new chapter. Let the songs Absolutely. be that, you know? For sure. So I, I like to ask this every time because it's one of my favorite questions. And it's one, honestly, I don't know if I could answer it for myself. So I like hearing everyone else's answers. Desert Island Gear. You've owned, you've owned gear for a long time. You've played for a long time. You've played countless guitars, amps, cabinets. <laughs> Desert Island gear, what would your setup be with all the choices of everything you've had and played? What would be your Desert Island setup? What guitar? What head? <laughs> uh, an ESP, I'm sorry, a Viper, ESP Viper with an Evertune, a um, EVH 5150. And I, I, I love the, the 215 cabs too. I, I play four, you know, four twelves, but the two, no, two, two twelves. They have a two twelve splits. At the beginning mm -hmm. of power flow, I was using, I had two, um, two of those cabinets, and I, I was going to get four. And I want, I was, the idea was to put four on end, so they would be, it's like a full stack, but scatter them around the stage. I thought the look would be cool. I still might do that, but um, now I got a fucking wall of fucking nine cabinets that look amazing or 12 cabinets <laughs> Love awesome it. that's great awesome. so essentially so your desert island setup is pretty much what, what you're playing right now it's you know we, we we always are searching for that inevitable um and an unattainable perfect sound perfect tone but um right now and i, I i've been the happiest i've ever been with with, with what i'm playing with right now that's awesome. That's amazing yeah, awesome. to hear. So, you know, we, I, I think we decided to do this podcast because it's completely self-serving. 
this is what we love to talk about. The yeah. stories that we got at it at it at it tonight were um, just so great, man. We we thank you so much. We we're hoping, knowing our friends, at least our group of friends, and then you know their group of friends and their group of friends. I really I hope people appreciate these awesome stories that you shared with us tonight as much as we do. If not, your words were not lost on us. All right, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it, dude, it's great to see you. Um, I'd love to definitely be able to do this again. And uh, we really want to thank you for taking your time after being in the studio all day. And having yeah, your- we appreciate uh, it. After a long course. day, I'm sure we were the last thing you wanted to deal with. No, thank you, <laughs> the highlight of my fucking day, dude. I, I'm, I'm like, what? It's over? I have a whole list of things I want to talk about. So No, no, go. We're not no. stopping. Yeah, go, yeah. go, go, go. Why do we do You this? lead the conversation now. Go. Why do we, why do, we do this? There, because there is. Let's do this again, dude. I love this. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll. Why do we co-host? We'll do it with maybe, maybe Ra or Dan or somebody like that. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. We, uh, I would love to have Ra on. Okay. Perfect. Let's just, let's just schedule it. Let's get offline, and we'll do a part two. Yeah, we'll do part oh, two oh, with Ra. Right. That's cool. Awesome. You know, it's funny because we were actually going to do, uh, we, we already uh, talked to um, uh, Das, Robert Guevara. He's so, amazing, dude. That dude, he is, is fucking, I, I, I got to say, the most underrated. And I, I, I was butthurt for a long time because he quit the band um, in, in, the, in, the, in a time when we needed him to be on board. And he was just over it. He was just over touring. He had run the mill with Helmet, and then he was with us, and he just run the mill with, with, with Biohazard. But he was a great fucking guitar player. That dude was on fire. I love Bobby. Bobby's my my guy. And before we go, um, much respect and rest in peace to your boy Bobby, too. Um, I, uh, thank yeah. you. I think it's great that you guys are continuing and doing this. He would want that. You, I'm sure you know that, So, which is probably why you're still doing it. But um, yeah, thank you so much. That's really nice. Of you. Okay, so we got a promise from you. You're going to come back on. Maybe we'll do it with Ra and Rob Echevera, and and we'll have a, we'll have a killer roundtable. The conversations, I'm sure, will be awesome. Yeah, he's I, a, I would absolutely he's a, love it. Yeah, he's a he's a tone head too. Oh, Both fully. Those guys. Right. Yeah. You know who totally. else is Christian? Would be great. Christian is a great guy to talk to. He loves talking equipment. Let's do it. We're, we we plan on doing this for a really long time, so that'd be awesome. <laughs> awesome. All right, thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot, man. Take care. Take it easy.